0: Oh, well, uh, before Mother's Day, we had been, uh, you know, walking through this story of Nehemiah, the first few chapters. And, uh, you know, just to just to catch us up quickly, uh, this is the point in the history of the nation of Israel after uh, they had all been, or almost all of them had been dispersed out uh, from from the country, the, the land where they had been brought in, the promised land that God had given them. Uh, the Babylonians had come in and taken most of the people from Jerusalem and the surrounding area away uh, to Babylonia, to, uh, and then resettled other people in that place. There was just a remnant there. They'd broken down the, the city of Jerusalem, the temple, everything was was broken down and they, they were dispersed. They were scattered as a people Nehemiah was one of those who had ended up uh, in the capital and ended up in a powerful position with, uh, near the king, who uh, was the cupbearer, bringing him food. And, and he heard about the situation back in Jerusalem and was just really moved by it and, uh, and then ended up getting the king's blessings to go back there and started rebuilding. And that's that's kind of where we're at. They they've started rebuilding. They're they're starting to get some momentum, and they're facing some obstacles. They're facing opposition from these people who are there that are not Jews. Uh, and you know this this chapter four is starting to show us that that dynamic of as they're facing the opposition, what do they do? What happens? And so the the main thing I want to focus in on this morning is uh, the, just this idea that. Um, the good news of Jesus uh, sets us free to participate in what God is doing around us, you know, especially in the face of some serious obstacles from from within and from without, and that the good news of Jesus, which is basically the idea that the good things that are going to come to us, uh, accomplishing good things or just blessings or whatever it is that's good, isn't going to come because we have what it takes. This isn't going to come because we have the enough power that we have, that we're good enough, that we're strong enough, that we are wise enough, that we're going to carry the day, but that God is going to do it for us. That God is at work and he's going to bring us the blessings and we can rely on him. And so as, as we look at this story of Nehemiah interacting with these opponents and just the discouragements both from within the Jews and outside the Jews. Uh, I want to kind of ask the question of what what would it look like for him and the people to respond to these obstacles based on their own power? What would it look like if they were trusting themselves? And then what would it look like if they trusted God? And what would sort of the different outcome be when they place their hope in these different places and i think that the biggest thing that as i reflected on this was that when we when we put our hope and our trust in god as we participate in doing things and participate in what he's doing around us that when we trust in god it opens up the opportunity for for meaningful connection and relationship with other people and with god but when we trust in ourselves and with our own power, our own hope, what it does is it cuts us off from the opportunity of you know, knowing others, being known, sharing in, uh, participating in together what's going on uh, that we miss out. So, so as we walk through, I, I want to just keep, keep that in mind. What does it look like to trust ourselves? What does it look like? Um, you know, the, the, first, the first piece that we see that Nehemiah shows us that he's trusting God is that when he returned to rebuild the wall, he felt confident that this was something that God wanted to do. This wasn't Nehemiah's idea. This wasn't his, hey, I think this would be good, but he felt like, hey, this is something that God wants to do, and I'm going to sort of jump in and participate In what God is already wanting to do or is already doing. And you can see that just quickly. Let me read one part from chapter one in his prayer. This is verse eight and nine. Chapter one, verse eight and nine. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name." So he he remembered that God had given this promise to Moses, saying, hey, there's gonna become a time where the people of Israel are gonna be scattered all about, but if they return, I promise to bring them back, back to the place where my name is, back to Jerusalem, the temple. That place. So Nehemiah saw this promise, and he said, "Well, this sounds like something God wants to do. Let me see how can I participate in that. What role might I be able to play?" And he started to think, "What makes sense for me to do to participate in this?" And as we think about our lives, we may not feel like there's an opportunity to participate in such a huge thing as Nehemiah was, but but who knows? Maybe. But even even so, there's small ways that God is working around us every day uh, that we have the opportunity to ask this question. What does God do? How might I be able to participate in that? What's on his heart? What's he putting on my heart to do? And as we choose to step out and participate in those things, we're like Nehemiah going to face, um, face some obstacles. um, Because God has an enemy out there, uh, who doesn't want him to accomplish the things that he wants to accomplish. Um, not only that, but we're operating in the midst of broken people all the time, broken systems, uh, all, all that brokenness includes us who are participating in this. We're all broken. So there's just going to be some challenges and opposition and obstacles as we try to participate in what God is doing. Um, and, and as we said, the, you know, the good news is that the success of whatever God wants to do is totally dependent on his ability, his power, his goodness and strength, not, not our own, um, which really sets us free in a lot of ways. But it also maybe it makes us think, well, if, if it's all dependent on God, why, why does he want to involve us in participating? Why, why doesn't he just do the work and, you know, not have to deal with us as broken people, messing things up all the time, as he should go straight to accomplishing what he wants to accomplish. Well, I, I think one of the big reasons he involves us is because what he wants to accomplish, I think the biggest thing he wants to accomplish is building connections. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants us to have close, meaningful connections with each other and with him. And if he were just to do stuff on his own without involving us, he would miss the opportunity for doing something together, which really creates and knits hearts together. And you can see that as, as the people are building this wall, this is one of the big things that God was doing with Nehemiah. He was bringing the people back together, not just so that a building would be built, not just so the city would be restored, but that that would be a place where a people would be formed. A nation would come back together, become a community. Again, they would have one another, they would have God, they would have that connection. And so he invites us to participate because the biggest thing he's doing as we work together is building this connection, building these relationships. So, so as I said, When we rely on God's power, it really facilitates this building of connection and relationship. When we focus on ourselves and our own power and depend on ourselves, it short-circuits that possibility and really hinders us growing close to one another and growing close to God. So let's see see how that happens here. As we we pick it up in verse 1, we start to see what some of this opposition looks what they're building, even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. So if you think about this, this attack that's coming to them, it's coming to them from the outside in this situation, but it's an attack that can come from the inside. It's just casting doubt on their ability to accomplish what they set out to do. Are you really strong enough? Do you have what it takes? Can you really make this big thing happen? and they're trying to convince them that no, you don't have what it takes. You can't make it happen. Um, and you know, when we hear those voices, either from without, from within or from without, we often think, man, maybe this thing that I'm trying to do, maybe I, I'm not strong enough to do it. Maybe I can't accomplish it. And if we are depending on our own power, depending on our own abilities, then if we realize or we think we can't do it, or maybe we're right that we can't do it, then one of the first natural things to, to do is to be frightened or discouraged into inaction. We just might give up. They say, you know what, it's too hard. I can't do that. I can't show up there. I, I can't make this happen. I can't meet that need. I can't, I can't get that job, or I can't participate in that thing, or I can't be that person. So sometimes we get discouraged in action. We don't do anything. And that's logical. If it really depends on us, sometimes often we can't do it. We aren't good enough. And so it makes sense to give up. But if we're depending on God and his power, then these threats of you're not powerful enough, you're like, that may be right. But that doesn't really matter because it's not dependent on me. So I'm going to continue to participate anyways because it's not dependent on me. And these threats and these doubts really won't sway us from continuing to participate because in the end, it doesn't really rely on our power or on our ability. And so, um, you know, later on, you can see in verse six, I'll get back to verse four and five in a second, but verse six, it says, so we rebuilt the wall until all of it reached half its height for the people worked with all their heart. They, They just kept going even in the face of you know these threats. And you can see in verse four, part of what he's doing is he's answering it saying, look, this is really dependent on God. Hear us, God, for we are despised. You know, God, you take care of these insults. You take care of what they're saying. Um, you know it's not about us and us and our power and our, our ability to take care of it, but it's about you. Um, and The second kind of threat that comes, this first threat was, you aren't good enough to do it. But then the people threatening them saw that that didn't work, so they moved on to the threat of violence. Verse 7, but when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. So they saw that their discouraging words didn't stop the work. So, okay, we need a different time. Let's threaten them with violence. We're going to hurt you. We're going to maybe kill you. We're going to come and, by force and violence, stop this work. Um, And so this, again, might have frightened them or discouraged them into inaction. But it says, verse 9, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. So you see, again, they didn't. They didn't say, okay, there's this threat of violence. We need to be strong enough. We need to just depend on ourselves. But first they said, you know what? Like, God's the one who's going to defend us. God's the one who's going to protect us. So we're going to pray and ask him for help first. Uh, But they also took action in response to that threat. Not only did they pray to God, but they also, what? They also posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. So like, well, if God's gonna save us, then you know, how do we participate in that? If God's gonna protect us, we don't feel strong enough, but maybe we can stand guard and fight if we need to. And God will you know, help us to fight, so that they, they took action. So sometimes when we are you know, facing <clears throat> this question of, of doubt or attack from the outside, We can either say, okay, well, I'm just going to give up because I'm not strong enough. Um, But if we say, well, God's going to take care of us, we can go one of two ways. We can say, like, okay, well, if God's going to take care of us, then we just sit back and we don't do anything. But you see the picture here is that they're trusting God and they're taking action to participate, not relying on their own strength, but asking, well, if God's going to take care of us, what would it look like to participate in that happening? So that's what they did. Uh, They met this threat. Verse 10, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. And also our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. So there's so there's doubt from within that the workers are like, our strength is giving out. We can't do it. There's threat from without everyone's telling them you're going to get attacked. This isn't going to work. But they continued because I think they are like, well, I don't know if we have enough to do it, but. Nehemiah was like convinced that this was something God wanted to have happen. And so he said, let's keep walking forward. Let's continue to participate in And because they chose to participate, opened the opportunity to to grow closer to one another, to trust one another, to rely on one another, to build this relationship with one another through through participating what God was doing. You know, there's that, that phrase, verse six, they worked with all their heart. They put their heart into it. And when they they were all putting their heart into it together, there was this cohesiveness. There was a knitting together of their hearts as they participated in this work. That was, I think, the real treasure of this experience for them as they they became a people, as they they participated in this, as they persevered through the challenges. Um, One of the... One of the other responses we sometimes have as we step out to participate in something God is doing, we step out to do something and we, we sense some resistance or obstacles. Um, Another, another approach we can take is to, you know, to hide and pretend we hide our weaknesses and pretend to have what it takes, even though we fear or we're pretty sure that we, um, so, you know, Nehemiah and the people may have been tempted in the face of these discouraging words and discouraging attacks to, you know, Nehemiah was leading these people. And he's like, man, if they're looking to me to lead them, he might be tempted to say, well, I need to project strength. I need to project capability. I need to pre- pre- present this space that. I'm going to help lead us to accomplish this thing. So when, so when they're saying, you can't do this, you're not strong enough, maybe he would have said, no, we are strong enough. We can do this. We're more powerful than you are. Maybe we'll go get the king and, and you know he'll back us up and we'll have the power and we'll have the ability and we'll have the strength to make this thing happen. And so he, in that sense, he would have been hiding because I think he realized that, Maybe he didn't have what it took. They weren't strong enough. Um, It wasn't going to be them that carried the day, but he may have been tempted, and we we can be tempted sometimes to, in situations where we're doing something or we're coming alongside someone, to be like, I need to have what it takes to help here. I need to have what it takes to accomplish what we're trying to do. And and when we have some weaknesses or fearful about not having enough, we just present a front that, is not completely genuine uh, about who we are in, in hopes that we can make it happen by being strong, by being powerful. But you know, the the problems with that approach is one, it always comes out in the end that our weaknesses we can't hide them forever. And you know, failure's gonna come because of our weaknesses and our shortcomings. And, and if we pretended that we were strong, it's just just destroys everything but I think the more disastrous thing is that when we pretend and we hide we don't have the opportunity to connect with one another we don't have that opportunity to knit our hearts together because we're hiding our hearts because we're not letting other people see us we're not participating in it with our hearts and that's all of our hearts but we're just trying to rely on ourselves and so if we let go of that and say, you know what, we may not have what it takes, but we're gonna trust God and step forward anyways, then we have that opportunity to connect our hearts and to have that relationship as we work through it. And so, you know, as we mentioned in verse four and five, you know, he, <clears throat> he says, hear us, our God, for we are despised. When, when he heard those insults, he didn't say, we're great, but God, you need to help us. And and he didn't he didn't look to ways to repay them, but he just said, God take care of it for us. And then again, um, in verse fourteen, verse thirteen and fourteen, after you know facing these obstacles, he says, you know, therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall, the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. So he says, don't be afraid of these threats, not because we're strong enough or I'm strong enough to defend them, but remember the Lord. He's strong. He's great and awesome. He's powerful beyond measure and can handle all of for us if we're participating with him and relying on him we can you know we can we can stay in it we can continue to participate Um, we don't need to be afraid of what's going to happen and you can see you can see on his mind how this building of a community how the building of these relationships is core to what's going on here because he says and fight for your families your sons and your daughters your wives and your homes we're participating in this we're participating in the work of god because our hope is that he's going to form us into a people that belong to each other that have connections that are growing in love for one another That that's the gift that he's really bringing here to us <clears throat> So sometimes we're tempted to give up. Sometimes we're tempted to hide and uh, pretend that we're strong enough. The third and last temptation, when we're relying on ourselves and our own power instead of God's power, the third and last temptation is that our default becomes to fight everything and everybody. Our default becomes to fight everyone and everybody. when we're faced with opposition or perceived opposition or just disagreement, if our hope is really placed on our own abilities, our own knowledge, our own goodness, our own power, and that's questioned or that's threatened, then it can be easy to say, you know what? Like That opposition just needs to be squashed. That opposition just needs to be removed. It just needs to be destroyed. And, and that often means we just need to destroy those people. And you know what the good that we hope in, if it depends on us, will be lost if we lose control, if we lose the power in the situations. We can't give up the power. And if other people threaten the power, then they just need to be gotten rid of. And so Nehemiah may be looking at this and like, man, these guys are coming, they got their army with them, they have people, they're, they're, they're ready to kill us anywhere. We just need to find more people, find more power, maybe call the king in and just wipe all these people off the map. And then we'll be secure. Then what God wants to accomplish here will happen. But, but he didn't, you know, he didn't respond that way. He responded and said by saying in verse four, you know, God, we are despised you take care of this. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in in the face of the builders. You know, he says, God, you take care of them. We're not going to fight this. We're not going to try to bring retribution or revenge onto them. We want you to take care of them. But if we're depending on God's power, his ability, his wisdom, then fighting becomes a last resort, and only when necessary, but not, not a primary tactic. And when it ceases to be necessary, then it's easily set aside. You know, they, they were ready to fight, and it may have come to that for them. So depending on God's power doesn't mean he never we never fight in any way but it's going to look different here. They were not out to destroy and wipe out these other people. They just were there to defend themselves, to protect their families, to just stand in the place where God had called them to work. Um, It was, it was a very different kind of approach than, than the one that takes, tries to take control and goes to out to seek the destruction of others. It was a, more of a defensive defensive posture. And and when they saw that God had frustrated the plans, they easily, you know, let go of their you know need to fight. They didn't pursue them. They didn't go after them. They said, "Okay, God protected us, and we'll go back to the work now." Um, <clears throat> And when our when our default becomes fighting everyone and everything, that really makes it difficult to engage in meaningful connection and relationship with people. And the problem when everything becomes about fighting and being in control is that everyone ends up our enemy because at some point everyone's gonna do something to hurt us, everyone's gonna let us down, everyone's gonna oppose us at some point, even and especially maybe those that are closest to us. And so problem that that approach leads us to is, yeah, this disconnection from, from people, from the kind of heart-to-heart relationship that we were made for and we were built for. Um, <clears throat> but if we can, you know, let go of that and say we don't need the power in every situation, um, there may be points at which we need to stand and defend some people or defend ourselves, but, but it's not about attacking others. Then that opens up this space for relationship and connection. So, you know, like Nehemiah, he had an opportunity. He felt there was something on his heart that he wanted to do and participate with God in. As we we look for those opportunities, the, the good news of Jesus opens up the opportunity to ask, what is God doing? How can I participate in that? And it gives us the freedom to participate in it without the weight of outcomes resting on our shoulders. We don't have to be concerned. Well, am I going to be able to carry the day? Am I going to be able to make this happen? Am I going to be able to provide for this person what they really need when they're hurting? And am I I going to be enough? It sets us free to not worry about that because God's enough. God's going to carry the day. And when, when we're freed up, then we can focus on what God is doing to connect us to one another. How can we be there with one another? How can we show up? How can we connect and together look for what God's going to do when we're together? Instead of focusing on how we're going to get the results right. And, you know, um, <clears throat> I Found out through social media this week, a couple of friends, old friends that I haven't been super in touch with in a while, but found out that they recently were diagnosed two different kinds of cancer, but both stage four, and it's just this, you know, big blow, and even from somewhat of a distance, it's really, it really affects you. and just reminded me of a couple of friends a number of years ago who passed away from cancer or very young and it's just one of those heartbreaking situations it's one of those times where it makes you stop and step back and it's also one of the situations where you you want know, to you want to help you want to be there for them but you also like this thing is way too big for me to like do anything to fix or, or help and you're just like what can I do And <clears throat> so sometimes it's easy to to not do anything or not say anything because you're afraid you're not going to do the right thing or say the right thing but I was just as, as I was working through this passage and God just was saying, you know like we can just we can just show up even knowing we don't have what people need in those situations we can just show up and And bring whatever we have and see what God does with it. And that really our presence, fully bringing ourselves with other people, is going to facilitate what God really wants to do most, anyways, which is knit us together, grow us in our love for one another. And it reminds me of, you know, when Jesus ended up feeding the 5,000 people with you know, a loaf of bread and a few small fish. You know, the little boy who brought those wasn't thinking, I have enough to feed everybody. So he might have thought, well, what good is my little fish is going to do? So I might just not bring it. But But he brought it. He participated. He brought what he had and Jesus did the rest. So I think I'm encouraged and want to encourage us to consider know, where can we show up today? Where can we show up this week? Um, where can we see what God is doing and participate? Show up with our loaf of bread and a few small fish, which is totally inadequate for the task, but <clears throat> we'll be there anyways and, and watch Jesus do the rest and, and receive the gift of connection and relationship with one another um, as, as that happens. Um, so before I turn it back over, let's Let's pray. God, we, we're grateful that you are the one who's strong enough, powerful enough, and we worship you because you are all of those things. We don't worship ourselves or anything else, but we worship you and we give you honor and praise because you're the one that has what it takes. You're the one that can do it, and we rely on you for that, and that that's helped us to set us free to... Um, to participate, to experience what you have for us, and not, not shy away or pretend or hide or, or just be in an attitude of fighting everybody, but just simply show up with what we have, and and see what you do. God, please, uh, just lead us in that way and take care of us, in Jesus. Name. Amen.